What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> Never a doubt, right? <laughs> Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Michigan State finishes off the season with a 70-64 to win against the number two ranked Michigan Wolverines. Uh, and nice revenge from last game. Uh, Rod, they came out... Um, and Eli Brooks was hurting him bad early, and then he goes down with an ankle injury around the 15-minute mark. Um, and Michigan State is able to wrestle the lead uh, away from him, um, going into halftime by four. Uh, and then they come out, and they they get it stretched out all the way to um, 11 at one point after a marble right. th- uh, free throw. Right. Uh, and Michigan chips their way back in it with some uh, trapping pressure and some zone um, and then it comes all the way down to four points and Rocket steps out of bounds with 26 seconds left and Michigan just cannot convert. And then Gabe Brown ices it at the end with four straight free throws. Uh, and then Henry hits two, I think, two at the very end. A great win. I mean, this is pretty much punching the ticket, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's over. They're in. And at this point now, I think your attention can turn to if you, if you looked at the way a lot of the brackets have had it. And frankly, what I thought made some sense, most of Michigan state before this game seemed to be in. And as we've been talking about, I was utterly convinced one more win out of the next three games before starting before the last game in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. um, no matter who it was against would get it done. But And if that meant they lost today and won their first game of the Big Ten tournament, I think that would have done it. But you probably would have been perilously close, at the very least, to being in the first four. Yeah, so you have being, to play an extra Being in that, that 11 seed matchup in Dayton, right? And that's okay. Look, it, the streak would be extended. You're still got a, you've still got a chance to keep playing. So that wouldn't be the – that wouldn't have been the end of the world. I would have taken it. I think every fan – Every Michigan State fan, alum, anyone listening to this podcast would have taken that. But now, I don't think you're having that conversation anymore, even if you lose that first Big Ten tournament game, but especially if you win it. Yeah. I, I think I think that I don't know how high they could rise. There's a cap on that. I think if they somehow made a run to the Big Ten tournament final, um, you know, maybe you could be talking about, depending upon what else happened around the country, maybe 
They could squeak in as high as a nine, but that even might be a stretch. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think a 10 is in play. And I think being one of those top two 11 seeds where you're or, or top three 11 seeds, I guess it is, where you're not in the playing game. Um, that's also very much in the cards and might even be locked already with this, because let's be honest, they pointed out on the broadcast, no other team in the country has more than one top five victory. Michigan State <laughs> has three now. Yeah, that's now impressive. you could say, well, Ohio State's not top five anymore. They were when they beat them, and it was late in the season, and that that will matter. Mm-hmm. Um, Illinois and Michigan still are. Yeah, so they're probably number a, one seeds. I mean, that's right. They, they probably are both one seeds. That would be my guess at this point. I think Illinois probably put that away with their win yesterday um, over Ohio State, and uh, in fact, a lot of people thought that game was for a one seed. So, and then you, you think, uh, Rod, in, as you go into the Big Ten tournament, you're looking at, uh, unless something crazy happens, basically a quad one game every single, all the way through, probably. I mean, I even Rutgers so. on a neutral court's probably in the top 50. You would think. Yeah, you would think. And, and it, yeah, we'll know after tonight, Maryland hosts Penn State at seven o'clock. If Maryland wins, um, it's Rutgers. If if Maryland loses, it's Maryland for MSU. It's as simple as that because Iowa won their game today, close shave, but they got it done against Wisconsin at home, um, and uh, and so that was that was big because I would look. You, you do at a certain point, I guess you say you just got to go out and and play, no matter who you're mm-hmm. playing against, right? But if I've got my choice for this Michigan State team, I do think they match up better with Rutgers than they do against Maryland because I think Maryland makes it hard to play Marcus Bingham a lot. And I like Marcus Bingham on the floor for this team. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that was true today. You know, that's, you know, Julius Marble did some things. Um, you know, they, they, they got good basketball out of a lot of people. But to me, the best Michigan State was today, in my opinion, was or at least the best I felt was when Marcus Bainham was the guy at the five. Mm-hmm. And, and it's tough to play him against against somebody like Maryland. Um, you can absolutely play him against uh, a team like Rutgers. And Bingham tonight, five points, eight rebounds, one for two, an assist, three for five from the line, a block, three steals, and yeah. countless taps on re- you know, tap rebounding. And, and that's not even – counting the defensive job beyond the blocks mm-hmm. that he did. You know, they, they really, really worked Hunter Dickinson. I thought they did a pretty good job in the first game containing him, even though his stat line looked okay. I, you know, we talked about that. I thought that was one thing coming out of that game that you could feel pretty good about. Um, but this game was well beyond that, you know. And, and people could talk about, well, you know, Dickinson was out of sorts or he got saddled with the foul trouble. Okay, fine. That, that happens. Bottom line is Michigan State did a great job in limiting him. And I thought Marcus Bingham's length was a big impacting factor in this one. You mm-hmm. mentioned the steals. He had a lot to do with that. Um, his length, I think, bothering some shooters inside, making it tough on them to finish. Um, and then he did, what, eight rebounds? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. That's, and he's been doing that more frequently. That's, that to me, 
the two things that have changed for Marcus Bainham over the second half of Big Ten play have been he's been much more reliable as a total defender. In other words, you could play him in pick and roll, and unless he's going up against somebody like you know Maryland where it's a six seven guy, he's he's doing a nice job in playing pick and roll defense, in my opinion, for Michigan State. He's not Xavier Tillman, but he's doing a nice job. And that's a big improvement because that defense has been the problem. And even low post defense, he still lacks the strength to bang with the strongest guys at times, but he's figuring out how to hang in there more consistently. I mean, look, Dickinson had a huge strength matchup in this game today. He didn't get a lot done against him. No. You know, he did a good job against Coburn when he was in there uh, in the Illinois game. You know, so I think he, he was part of a, a gang of guys that did a good job against Liddell. So I, I think he's figured that out. And then just as importantly, Marcus Bingham has now become an effective rebounder at both ends. But I, I'm more impressed with the defensive rebounding because that to me is where he lacked. That is where his lack of strength tended to show up most, where he just could not possess balls in traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, banged around, and he just didn't have the strength to secure it. Well, that's not happening anymore. Marcus Bingham is going up, securing balls, and it stays secured. So that's that's a big change, and I think I think he makes this team. There's a lot of things you could say about this game today that you look at and think, what could have been if they'd had this Rocket Watts and this Joey Hauser all year long? How much better are they? A lot better, right? Yeah. Um, but I also think this Marcus Bingham is something is somebody who changes them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I, I was impressed with his play today. I thought he had a great day. Uh, and yeah, oh, and you mentioned it. it you know, Hauser, um, seventeen minutes, eleven points, five rebounds, five for seven from the field. Um, yeah, I, I love. I love the way he played in that first half, man. He he went to the basket. He did what Michigan did to him in the first game. You remember us talking about how he just Brandon Johns was just laying waste to him off the dribble and out yeah. muscling him at the rim. That you know, that was embarrassing. Well today Joey Hauser was the guy doing that, and then he capped it with a three off a great decision by Aaron Henry to just kind of kick it back to him. Mm-hmm. Really nice game for Joey. Yeah. I mean the second half wasn't as good because he got in a little bit of foul trouble and, and it, it kind of took him off kilter. But that first half was worth it. Nine points in the first half. He and Watts were the reason they were up at the half. Mm-hmm. You know, and then other guys kind of stepped to the forefront in the second half to help, to help close it. Yeah. And Watts, this is the most minutes Watts has seen in a long time. 32 minutes, 21 points, four rebounds, four assists, eight for 16 from the line, five for six free throws. Yeah. I mean. From the field. You said from yeah, the line. Oh, I'm sorry. Five for six from the line. Eight for 16 yep. from the field. Um, fantastic game. And that doesn't mean a perfect game. You know, there was a shot here, a shot there, where you thought, okay, but didn't need that. You know, there was that one possession where Michigan, I think it might have been the first time they went zone down the stretch. And Rock just kind of dribbled and dribbled and dribbled. Nobody really moved, and then he ended up jacking a three. That was not great. Yeah. But man, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna worry too much about that because here was the thing: we talked about it after the first game that Rocket got to spots on the floor 
you want him to get to. He just could not convert. Mm. He just didn't hit shots. Today, he hit shots. I mean, this was – what this showed was um, – and I, I believe we talked about this, too, after the first game. Juwan Howard very definitely has a strategic approach in terms of how he wants his big men to play in pick and roll. And what he wants to do is he wants them to shack it. He doesn't want hard hedges much. He does. It, it's funny because he'll do it with different lineups. Like with Austin Davis out there, who it, it frankly surprises me because Austin Davis is a fucking statue. Um, <laughs> he'll hard hedge some. But with Dickinson, he does not hard hedge. It's all shacking. And And what that means is you're going to have opportunities as the point guard to get shots at the either threes or at the very least, say, 17 to 18 footers, right? Mm-hmm. And you just got to hit them. You just got to hit them. Um, or you might have opportunities somewhat to get to the basket off that. Well, Rocket did some of all that, but Rocket in the mid-range, Rocket in that 15 to 18 foot area was fantastic. He took exactly what Michigan gave him, and and that's what we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. All year. We haven't seen him take advantage of the opportunities that are there. He's always just been a little out of sync, not hitting shots that are there for him, you know, all of that. Well, he delivered. Um, and, and hats off to him. And, you know, this Rocket Watts makes Michigan State an entirely different team. Now, am I convinced that somehow a corner has been turned and this is what we're going to have for as long as they last? No. That would be foolish. <laughs> but for this day, they got exactly what they needed from him. I don't think you can beat Michigan unless you have a point guard capable of doing at least some of what we saw him do today. I think the way they play, it's too tough to do. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a guy who can legitimately cash in on those chances, I will admit, and I, I posted this on the Spartan Mag board at the half, um, Watching it, it made me think, what in the world would Cassius Winston have done to that defense? <laughs> yeah. He would have had 40, you know, and consequently they wouldn't have played it that way. They couldn't have. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll take the 21 we got from, from Rocket Watts. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it at that. Uh, best game of the season for him. I mean, mm. Duke, he was really good, but come on, this was a different level. It's a, it's the rivalry. It, it's, you know, all of that, the tournament hopes on the line, all of those things. And he steps up and plays this well. That, that's the game of the year from him. Bottom yeah. line. Uh, and another great game from Henry, 37 minutes, 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, six for 13, hit a three pointer, five for six from the line, a steal. Yeah, and and I think you know what you got from Michigan State. I wanna I wanna look at those last four minutes because much as we talk about Rock and and Hauser and they were huge the way they played, those guys didn't make a lot of plays at winning time. These are the guys that did things. Mm. Aaron Henry had what has become the standard for him down the stretch, where he just makes big shots. Right. Yeah. Um, he had he had a couple of mid range jumpers. I know he had penetration and a lay in and traffic where he reversed. Um. And then he kind of ran things and made some plays for others. Josh Langford with the score at sixty one fifty nine hits a three against that zone. That was the single biggest shot of the game. 
Yeah. Easily the biggest shot of the game. Because you miss it, Michigan's got the ball, most likely, on a defensive rebound with a chance to tie or take the lead. Mm-hmm. Instead, Josh Langford makes it five again. They never seriously threatened after that. And that uh, was that was Henry at, at like kind of playing the point guard, recognizing exactly, that because they've saying. had trouble with that zone. They, that's what I'm saying. They switched. They switched it up. And, and I'm not knocking Rock. He was fantastic today, but he wasn't at his best against that zone. And they switched it up. So Aaron had the ball at the top. Aaron is the one who saw Josh. The gap was there. Open look buried it yeah um just a huge thing for a guy who may or may not have played his last game at Bristol. well that is to be determined apparently i i think most of us have been under the assumption that that was it this year was it for josh but with what's come out in the last couple of days maybe not mm-hmm. but if it is that's the last shot from the floor that i believe josh lineford will ever take at the breslin center and it went the right way <laughs> so he does that yeah then gabe brown Gabe Brown with a couple of big rebounds. Gabe Brown four for four at the line when they needed it to keep it at a at a two possession margin. Um, making plays, you know, doing the things that you need him to do uh, down the stretch. And I don't think he hit a shot from the floor today, but man, he he showed up late when they needed him to. Yeah. Um, so all those guys, and you know, and again, and we go back to what Rock and Hauser did the first 35 minutes of the game. You go back to the things Marcus Bainham did. Go back to Malik Hall hitting a three in the first three minutes of the game to make sure, well, they're not going to go over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and played, and played well. I think he played a decent, solid floor game. Um, you know, Julius Marble did some things, you know, rebound here or there, scored, scored a few points. I think, you know, play, did his, was part of that gang on Dickinson, playing physically. You know, he got in foul trouble too, but that's going to happen against that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, did his job. Matty Sissoko pitched a few minutes of relief in the first half. And big rebound, yeah. yeah. Big offensive rebound, you're right, and banged him defensively and, and guarded him. You know, Dickinson didn't get anything done against Matty Sissoko. Mm-hmm. I think he went 0 for 1. Um, from the floor. So, you know, I, I just went through a lot of names. Jack Hoiberg, now I'm going to give it to you because you brought it up and I said no. <laughs> that was before the first game, in fairness to me, and I think yeah. I was proven right there. But Jack Hoiberg, and I'm going to give great credit to Tom Ezzo for this because the choice he was faced with in those minutes were – Hoiberg or Hogard. Mm. He made the right pick because I, I just, AJ Hogard started this game and I don't want to knock him. Look, it's, we, we don't know what's going to happen at the very least. It's a very big off season coming up for AJ Hogard. He's got a lot of improving to do. Um, but he was not, he was not ready for this game. He couldn't finish plays. Um, and, and I mean, either him trying to score at the rim or him trying to make plays for others. He had a horrible entry pass attempt to Henry early in the first half. He got picked off. It had me infuriated at least. I, mm. I'll admit we all, we all have our triggers, you know, and I'll admit I'm probably a little bit over the top at times with, with my criticism of Hogarth. Um, but I just have no faith, no trust. And so I was really glad to see that because 
at the very least, I'm convinced. I've seen enough from Jack Hoiberg. Jack Hoiberg probably isn't going to turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. He's probably not going to make just a boneheaded, brain freeze defensive play. Now, somebody might physically take him, but it's not going to be a mental error. Yeah. And Michigan State was playing with the lead they couldn't afford, but not enough to where you could just roll with it. It was always in that perilous, you know, six to ten point range for most of the second half. You you didn't have Michigan dead and buried, you know. You couldn't afford mental mistakes. And I think that was the right call and it worked out. You know, those minutes, I don't know how many Jack played. Um seven. Seven minutes. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Um, and how Michigan bad do you State think he not, wanted to pull the trigger on that wide open three in the corner? Yeah, but you know, but but here's the thing, and it's not that he can't hit that shot. Yeah, but it's a different story in a game like this, and he's smart enough and has enough under his belt to know that, mm-hmm. to know what his coach wants from him, and what his coach does not want from him in that situation, in my opinion, is pulling the trigger on that shot. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what you needed. So great from him too. Yeah. Um, I did, I, I just can't say enough. I mean, they just collective effort and, and the guys who have been carrying them all year were huge down the stretch. Aaron Henry, Josh Langford, and then even Gabe Brown, um, made all the plays late. And, and then you got the huge efforts from Rocket and Joey the first 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first key, Rod, uh, defend the arc. Um, Michigan, 7 for 22, 32%. Yep, I, I, that's a positive. You know, Now, I will say Michigan did miss some open ones. I would not give this an A. I don't think Michigan State gave it an A effort the way they have in some other games, but I'd give it a solid B. Um. You know, you can't, the percentage is what it is. Uh, they shot a few more than they do on average, but that was, a lot of that had to do with late, you know, they had that late flurry at the end where they took a couple, um, you know, and missed. Uh, so it was probably really kind of an average game for Michigan in terms of the attempts. Mm-hmm. But um, MSU did enough. I don't think they were great. I thought they were good. Yeah. Uh, and then offense in the paint. Yeah, um, bear with me because I'm sure that I've got this. So hold on. So we we talk about this obviously consistently as a key, right? Mm. And and we know that it's we know that it's it's a big big part of this Michigan State team's success. Um. Well, this is interesting. So the final numbers, Michigan State only 22 points in the paint, and Michigan outscored them by 30. Or, I'm sorry, 30 to 22, not by 30. <laughs> outscored them by 8. Um, that number sounds bad, but I'll tell you why I don't entirely buy that. Um, to me, I think that you've got to count a lot of that Rocket Watts production. Even though it's technically those are not points in the paint because he was taking those shots in the, in the circle, mm-hmm. you know, from the free throw line back to the three point line. To me, they still count 
to me, it was not settling for a three. It was getting into the teeth of the offense and taking what's given. So I'm going to give them more credit than that number does suggest. Mm. Uh, and then the third key, energy. Oh, man. You can't. Yeah. I, you know, this is as good a time as any to say this. Um, and I think listeners of the podcast are not going to be surprised by my saying this. You flash back before that first Indiana game, and I looked at the gauntlet that Michigan State was facing, not just the quality of opposition, but that too. Mm-hmm. And more, perhaps just as or even more importantly, the condensed nature of the schedule, that they had this constant game, one day off, game, two days off, game. I, I, I saw no reason, but more importantly, I saw no opportunity for Michigan State to get better enough for it to make a difference. It is the first time in Tom Izzo's tenure that I was, I'm just speaking about myself, that I was personally waving the white flag. I did not think they could do this. And and it wasn't, at the time, it wasn't a knock on Izzo. It wasn't even a knock on the kids. My, My belief was it was circumstances as much as anything else, that for Izzo's thing to really work, he needs time in the lab, in the gym, with his team. And we see this over and over throughout his career where they take some hits, but they get better and better and better. Well, a big part of that formula is they have time to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't see any situation where that could happen, given what they were facing. They just, they didn't have time to even really practice as much. I mean, we, we talked about it. I think it was... Yeah, it was between the Maryland and Indiana game. So they had a grand total of one day off. Is that right? Maryland was a Sunday. IU was Tuesday. Yeah, and they all they did yeah. was practice the bigs. And right. Give the guards some break. Couldn't even couldn't have <laughs> the guards practice. That's how bad it's been. For them to pull this off, this is, I mean, we we end up, contradicting ourselves or or superseding ourselves is a better way to put it, I guess, over the years where we get real quick to say, this is the best job Izzo's ever done. This is the best the team, best win the team's ever had, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I don't know that this is the, where this is on the best accomplishments, but it's pretty, pretty close to the top given the circumstances. This team has dealt with something no other team in, in MSU history has had to deal with in terms of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Just the, the way that things played out and having five weeks during the season or going back to the preseason without their coach for, you know, COVID reasons on two different occasions. That is massive to pull that off. And, um, I, I think that, uh, I think you got to give it consideration to putting it up there. Does it yeah. trump national titles? Does it trump Final Fours? No, probably not. But in terms of the difficulty of the accomplishment, given the circumstances they were in over the past three weeks, you can't find too many better. And three wins over top five teams. 
Yeah, in four four <laughs> total games. <laughs> I mean, that, that's yeah, that's that's great. Right, three and one against top five teams down the stretch. Um, that is that is amazing. I, I'd also say this um, for those of you, which is the vast majority of us, I'm sure, who have Michigan friends in your life. Just remind them no matter what happens rest of the way. The worst, supposedly, and I think fairly described, the worst Tom Izzo team in twenty since nineteen ninety seven played a team that Michigan people are talking about as at least their best team since the Fab Five. And you couldn't sweep MSU. Couldn't do. It. Yeah, they says it all, baby. Yeah. And <laughs> says they it all. If Eli Brooks is out for any extended amount of time, they're in trouble. That I that I feel badly about, and I think yeah. you're right. And and by the way, I don't know whether there's anything to come of this. We'll find out. Um, Franz Wagner in that scrum at the end of the game went off limping badly. So and they could. They have don't have the people on the bench. Trail. No, they don't. And and Brooks is a huge huge loss because. They get a lot of basketball out of Mike Smith, but, but here's the thing. Mike Smith can't play 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. So they put aside what Brooks gives them as a shooter and as a defender. He's their best individual perimeter defender. He's one of their better shooters. He's not their best shooter, but he's a reliable one. He's a four-year guy. He's played in a national championship game. You know, he's been to a Final Four. He's won Big Ten titles. Before. So he's he's won Big Ten tournaments before. So he's got a lot under his belt, right? Mm. But all that aside, he's their backup point guard. He's the guy who can at least steady the ship. I think if he had to play point guard full-time, it would be a problem. But when he's pitching relief for eight minutes a night or whatever it is, that's fine. Yeah, And it's important. Well, you saw what happened. Zeb Jackson, not good. Not ready for prime time. I mean, it's basically the same scenario that Michigan State faces when they have to play Hogard. Also a freshman, also not ready. So it's a big deal. You're right. I mean, for all those reasons, um, I don't want to think about what a Wagner injury would mean. Um, but again, I don't know that. The thing we know about Brooks is he was in a boot. Mm-hmm. Um in the second half, it's been a big day for that. We didn't mention it, but all right, I the touched Wieskamp on that got hurt too. Game right against Wisconsin, but Wieskamp left that game in the first half and was in a boot. So you got a couple teams that think they've got Final Four dreams that are looking at potentially very serious injuries. The good news for both of them is at least they're talking about you know you're talking about basically ten days until you'll need to play. Mm-hmm. So as long as those injuries aren't horrible, um, you know, th- there's a chance that you could have them back. I- I'm not knowing anything about the severity. I didn't even see the Weiss Camp injury. I-, I turned it on after it had happened. Uh, Brooks's injury didn't look great, but it, who knows? I mean, you just, you never know with those mm-hmm. things. He la- I mean, he landed on Bingham's foot. It was one of those plays. Uh, but you're right. If he's out, Man, if he's out, period, Michigan can't get to a Final Four. I, I don't see any way. Mm-hmm. He means that much. And that's kind of the problem with a team that, as we've talked about, doesn't play a lot of people. So what would they do? Well, they would probably, I would think, 
elevate elevate Brown to the starting lineup, which looks okay because Brown can play. He was good today. Yeah. Um, or offensively at least. Uh, but it, then you don't. What, what kind of bench do you have? You have Austin Davis. Brandon Johns plays more probably, but your perimeter, you're you're essentially you're limited to Zeb Jackson. That is not a spot you want to be in. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work, you know. So I don't you know. Maybe they start playing the freshman Terrence Williams more. Who didn't play in this game. I don't believe, um, you know. But it's it's not an ideal situation for a team that has a pretty tight rotation, mm-hmm. you know. For Michigan State. <laughs> for a lot of reasons, other than if it was Henry or Langford, you could see anybody going out and saying, well, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Because <laughs> they play a lot of people and also because nobody's been consistently good enough where you say that. But um, Michigan's got goals, and without Eli Brooks, that's, yeah, that's tough. Mm-hmm. But But getting back to Michigan State, let's get back to the important part. So... I did not see this coming. I didn't think it was possible. They proved me wrong. I'm so thrilled to be an idiot for doubting Tom Izzo yet again, you know, proving that everybody's stupid for doubting him. (laughs) How this team in two days found enough energy to play the way they did today is remarkable. Because this is what I thought. I thought the two guys that very clearly looked dragging to me in the second half of that game in Ann Arbor were Henry and Langford, and for good reason, because they've been playing high 30s minutes for weeks now. Yeah. No break. The other guys, there really wasn't an excuse for anybody else. Nobody else was playing heavy enough minutes. You know, Gabe had been, but then he didn't play heavy minutes the other night. Mm -hmm. So I figured, okay, those other guys will have some juice, but the fact that, once again, we had at winning time Aaron Henry and Josh Langford making plays, they they found it. They found that reservoir that they needed, mm-hmm. and that was enough. So I and it was it was absolutely an energetic performance by Michigan State. I thought defensively, they were energized. Yeah, you know, offensively they played hard. They played with force. Um, they were insistent. You know, it was all the things. You know, loose balls were were not all going Michigan's way. They were the other night. You know, they battled on the glass. You talked about the, the tip outs that, um, Bingham had. Yeah. Their other guys doing that too. Aaron Henry had a big one that ended up in Marcus's hands for an end one. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the second half. So yeah, definite plus for MSU. They found it somehow, some way. Yep. Uh, and then the fourth key was help, getting help for Henry and Langford. They got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly check, check. what they needed. You know, um, they didn't quite, I had said I thought they probably needed four guys in double digits to win. They didn't quite get there. Um, you had Hauser, Watts, and Henry all in double digits. Langford with seven, not quite there. But I'll still take it as a positive because Josh hit that huge three. Mm-hmm. Um, they, yeah, the, Hauser and Watts, I said it earlier in the podcast. You realize when you see this game, because this is what we expected, right? When we talked about this team in October, I know I talked about, I thought Michigan State had three guys that had the potential to be all Big Ten players. Aaron Henry was one of them, and he has been that. Mm -hmm. The other two guys were Hauser and Watts, and they haven't even been close. 
they frankly haven't even been two of MSU's five best players much of the season. Yeah. They were they were great early. You know, after that Duke game, absolutely we felt like both those guys were on track. And it was shortly after that that the wheels started to come off and they just didn't consistently get back. I think Joey's overall been better, not consistently good, but he went through a really bad stretch in the middle of the season, and I feel like he's been slowly but surely pulling out of that lately. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocket, it's, you know, he had those two games against IU, or I'm sorry, against um, Illinois and Ohio State, right? Or maybe it was Illinois and – it was Indiana and Illinois, I'm sorry, where he was really good, and then he kind of went back in the funk again. Um, but with those guys playing at the level they did tonight, you see why Michigan State was a top 15 team. Mm-hmm. in the preseason because they would be that they absolutely would be that they might yeah. be better than that if they had this version you know i'm again i'm not saying i think they've turned the corner and look out nation because msu is going to make another run but you know what if michigan state gets this kind of basketball out of those two guys over the next two three weeks they could mm-hmm. i know that sounds crazy michigan state could get to the second weekend they absolutely could. I mean, why would you say they can't? They've just gotten done beating three top five teams. <laughs> yeah. So of course they can, right? Yeah. They they could take out and and where they're likely to where they're likely to be seated, it would be. Let me think about this. So that's an eight seven. Um. So it's that's a, 3, um, a nine. Sorry. So if they're a ten, if they were a ten, let's say, that would match them up. Um, seven. Against a against a seven, but then winning that, yeah, then you'd be up against a two seed. So you'd be up against good competition. But you know who's probably in line for a two seed, or possibly teams like Iowa and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Well, we've already seen Michigan State beat Ohio State. And they almost beat Iowa and Iowa City. So are you telling me they couldn't pull it off? I, with these guys, if these guys play this way, they can. I know that much. Mm-hmm. So you know. It's it's a uh, yeah. It, it was great to see multiple guys, and as we've already talked about, when you broaden the scope out a little further and you get away from just scoring and and more to total contributions, they had a lot of guys who contributed to this win. Yeah, a lot of guys who could point to stretches in the game that they impacted positively. And that's what you need. Yeah. Uh, the, so the fifth key: make it ugly. You know, I, I think I think they did that successfully. I mean, I didn't think it was a hideous game. And I also didn't think the physicality quite matched the Illinois and Ohio State games. How did you feel? Not quite. Um, yeah, I thought but, they were physical, but it wasn't like those games. Um, but, you know, I look at it, Michigan shoots 42% from the floor, which is low for them. They shoot 32% from three. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was not, it was not a pretty game for them. Michigan State shoots 44% from the floor, 36% from three. Um, both teams had eight turnovers, so that was actually not ugly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I think, I don't know if they completely accomplished that, but here's what I do think they did. I think they had a lot to do 
with making it hard for Michigan to run what they wanted to run. And a lot of that gets back to what they did with Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Michigan relies on him so much as a fulcrum of what they do because, and, and Michigan State fans should recognize that because it's been part of the Michigan State equation for so many years. When you've got a guy who is reliable in the blocks and who can move the ball to others, that, that's huge. That's when things start humming. You know, um, and Michigan's had that all year with, with Hunter Dickinson. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been great in that way. Uh, he was not great today. And, you know, you look at, you look at what he did and it was, it was not a stellar day for him. He was four for, he ended up with 12 points, but four for 10 from the floor. It's got to be one of the worst shooting days of the season for him. Seven rebounds, but he wasn't dominant there. One assist, two turnovers. And I believe I heard, I don't remember this stat, but I believe I heard the broadcaster say, I don't know the factor that he had six turnovers in the first game. Um, I, I think Michigan State has a way to play him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they've yeah, got a the they've majority got a of that came at the very end too, like the last two possessions. The production, yes. Yeah. You're right. You're right because he had he had two and one opportunities. Right, yeah. one of them he cashed in, one of them he didn't. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, for most of that game, he was really not a great factor. And they got him in foul trouble. That was also part of it. Um, but he just looked, he looked out of, I mean, Bill Rafferty was, was saying, how great is it, by the way, in, in this year of COVID and all that? I, I don't want to gloss over it and lose sight of it. How fantastic is it to hear Bill Rafferty calling a Michigan State game that means something in March? <laughs> yeah. Just great. But Bill Rafferty made the comment that, um, he just Dickinson just never seemed in rhythm, just seemed out of sorts the whole day. And I think that's true, but I think Michigan State had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you and I felt like even in the first game, Michigan State played him pretty well. His numbers looked okay, but he didn't dominate that game. Yeah. You know? um, and I think Michigan State did a great job with Franz Wagner, too. They made life tough on him. You know, so defensively, they were good enough to not allow Michigan. You know, Michigan shot 50% in that first game. Mm-hmm. Um, to take them down to 42, you uglied it up a little bit. They they did not have um, the freedom to move and the easy opportunities that they had in the first game. So yeah. it wasn't a completely ugly affair, but it was ugly enough. And Michigan State gets to the free throw line 23 times, 18 for 23. That's that's high for them. That was surprising <laughs> that they got many more opportunities at the line than Michigan did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michigan is a team that doesn't foul. And, um, and on the other hand, you know, although they don't get fouled a ton on offense, um, they shoot it so well that you'd figure their production would be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. Um, and again, that, I think that kind of goes back to when you play with energy and physicality and you are aggressive, this is a truism. You're usually rewarded for that by the way a game is officiated. 
And I think Michigan State maybe got the reward of playing with that kind of mentality and that kind of physical effort and energy mm-hmm. that they actually had an edge at the line, which is, yeah, very surprising. You know, there's a moment where, you know, where Gabe got that rebound and wound up getting elbowing Wagner. And I just thought, oh, my God, if they called a flagrant right there, because that was. Well, he wouldn't touch <laughs> He didn't touch him. That was an acting job. I mean, that would have been the worst call. There, there were people that were upset earlier today about a call in the Wisconsin-Iowa game where Brad Davison for Wisconsin got called on a hick, hook and hold. You can hate that call, and I mm. do, but um, it was absolutely the right play. Uh, if they had called a flagrant on that play, the one you're talking about where Gabe didn't didn't hit him. The, the only thing he might have done, it, at first glance, it looked like maybe as he was turning, his hand might have grazed Wagner's face. Mm. But on, on the replays, I didn't even think he made contact. I think Wagner was doing what he does. <laughs> that, um, yeah, he's not. He's an easy kid to not like. I mean, overall, I, I don't have major problems with this Michigan team. I don't have major problems with Juwan Howard and how mm. he conducts himself. Um, you know, they're, I don't like them, but they're okay. Wagner's just like his brother. I, I don't like his act. Mm-hmm. All right. You, well, you, get, you got your Isaiah Livers problem. I've got <laughs> I, uh, So, it, you know, looking ahead, we're looking at this would be the next game would be a Thursday, right? Correct. They're, they've gotten to the Thursday game by virtue of what they've done, mm-hmm. which that, that, that alone is an incredible accomplishment given where they were. Um, and as we said, it comes down to shortly here. It might have even started. I'm not sure. We're probably past seven o'clock. So the game's probably underway. Uh, Penn State at Maryland will determine who Michigan State faces on Thursday. It's either going to be Rutgers or Maryland, and it will be Rutgers if Maryland wins that game against Penn State. If, if Penn State upsets Maryland in College Park, then it will be Maryland that MSU faces. But again, I mean, I'm not on the committee, so my word is worth exactly what you're paying for it here, but come on, they're in. <laughs> you don't have to sweat it. Yeah. They did, they did the seemingly impossible, and they're in. Mm. And and it, it feels fantastic, and um, what an amazing, amazing day. What an amazing accomplishment for this program, this coach, these players. These guys, remember we were talking not so long ago about – how badly it was going to hurt these guys years down the line to have been. And, and we, we talked about this, how a lot of these guys have a Final Four under their belts. The majority of the roster has been part of Big Ten championship teams. Mm-hmm. They, they won't be like a total embarrassment, but they would have been the first group to, since you know Tom Izzo's third season. That was the first time he got to the tournament. They'd be the one who broke the streak and that would be something that years later I think would linger. Uh, I just saw a score flash. Maryland is up 29 to 13. I think it's safe to say it's going to be right. Okay. Um, and that's early. That's not even the 10 minute mark of the, oh, I'm sorry, it's late, in the, it's late in the first half. Under The under four timeout, Maryland's up 13. Um, but uh, to to know that they're not going to have to live with that is just huge because mm-hmm. there are, there's not a single guy on this team that I think comes across or, or I've ever heard anything about 
you know, negative aspects about personality, about they've got a lot of academic achievers. They've got a, they've got a guy in Josh Langford who you just have to be thrilled for. Yeah. Who'll come back. And, and man, let's, let's also spend just a second talking about that. I'll take another hit to my prognostication ability because all summer long, all preseason long, I was on this podcast saying, look, if they can get what they got out of Kyle Arns last year, some 15 minutes, 12 minutes, somewhere in that range of night, and it's quality, I'll take that and run with it, right? Yeah. Josh Langford's been busting his ass playing 35-plus. <laughs> he yeah. didn't get quite there tonight because of the foul trouble, but still. Um, that is That is as remarkable as anything that has happened this season. Mm-hmm. Not only did Josh Langford come back to play, Josh Langford was a starter. Josh Langford was, I think, on the balance of the season, their second best player in totality, both ends of the court, yeah. only behind Aaron Henry. And he steps up and hits the biggest shot of the game to take out fucking Michigan. Yeah. That's, <laughs> geez, what a, what a story for him. And he might not be done at Michigan State yet. There's that, but we can talk about that another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just just incredible. All right, well, great end of the season. Uh, we'll get the uh, pregame up for the Big Ten tournament here in the next few days. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.